nerds, this is Cena Nerd. We are kicking off the start of 2018 with our Star Wars The Last Jedi discussion because apparently more people need to talk about this movie. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me as always is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. Happy New Year, Will. Happy New Year, Sarah. How are you? I am ready to talk about Star Wars because I feel like I've not stopped thinking about it or analyzing it since, I don't know, like two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how many times have you seen, have you seen a movie? I was going to try to go see it a second time, but you know how lazy I am to drive downtown. <laughs> <laughs> so I've only seen it once, okay. but I did the other night um, rewatch Force Awakens. Okay. And I have a newfound appreciation for The Force Awakens because of The Last Jedi. Okay. We'll have to we'll have to deep dive into that a little bit a little bit during our uh, show tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's just something fascinating to me about I I feel like as a casual Star Wars fan, um in watching The Last Jedi and initially thinking like, well, that happened. I'm not really sure how to feel about this, but the more I've had time to think about it, the more I like the film rather than dislike it. So now all of a sudden I find, like, I figured out something that fans who obsess about this stuff don't realize. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I was let told a secret during my experience Mm -hmm. that other people haven't weren't weren't explained and so that's why they hate the movie versus how i i have a secret love affair going on with it right now cool cool well let's let's talk about your love affair with this film okay so it starts with kylo (laughs) (laughs) okay who who didn't like that scene right (laughs) oh man well okay let's let's talk about the the main triangle even though they're not really a love triangle, it's still the main tri- triangle. But a good portion of the movie is really picks up right where the Force Awakens let, leaves us, and with Ray and Luke, and then you have Kylo, ever so casually, just just so happy to be interspliced between those two, mm-hmm. and and you learn a lot about the Force, you learn about a lot about Jedi, and you learn about how. Uh, one of the most significant heroes in the cinematic movie verb, whatever you want to call it, has, um, he's kind of fallen off the wagon a bit. Yeah. My friend. Yeah, he closed himself completely off from the force. Yeah, it's just him and the porks. Yeah. Him and the, pu- him and the puffins. Yeah. How about <laughs> that first Star Wars story spinoff movie? Luke and the porks. <laughs> <laughs> It'll make 400 million. <laughs> I don't. I think at this point they don't really care. But yeah. Will, what did you think about about Luke and where he is now, as opposed to when you last saw him? So when we last saw Luke, it was returning to Jedi, uh, and then we get to a very haggard, very weathered Luke at the end of Force Awakens. So. That moment when Ray hands him the lightsaber and he just chucks it, um, spoke, set the tone that I think calls fanboys and fangirls everywhere to just like, either you, you got it or you didn't about right. where Johnson was going to take us on this journey with the, with the force, with the last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that was a very 
revealing scene for Luke, who was, you know, who epitomized, uh, in, in the, uh, original trilogy, the, uh, the optimist, uh, but also, um, that questioning spirit that Luke always had to, that he just did not follow the Jedi gospel without always asking questions, which Yoda called him out on. But, you know, when you look at Luke, you know, the last time we saw Luke was Return of the Jedi. Then we had the three prequels and you really, you know, really got a deep dive into the whole Jedi religion, but also the whole Jedi bureaucracy, which I think Ryan also took on in this film as well. Using those prequel trilogies, prequel trilogy to, um, really, you know, expose how, you know, some of the, the, the weaknesses uh, of, of the Jedi. So when you look at it in the context of the prequels, what Luke did to me was, was, was surprising, but, but understandable. I, I can't fault him for yeah. anything he did. Yeah. <laughs> I really can't. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about it and, and everything he explained to Ray and, um, in the choices he made and how he, I love how they basically explain it at the very end that Luke created Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. which, which is perfect. Yeah. Um, especially considering the family relationship and the responsibility. That's his, his, um, what, what you call it? Call it. I want to say Padawan. Um, it, it, it just, it, it made sense to me. And for, I'm, and I think I, I'm, I'm surprised that everybody else was so surprised that, hey, the last, it hasn't been easy for Master Jedi like Luke. He's been through even more crap that happened off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and feels a lot of responsibility and a lot of weight. And I like that. I'm not, I also appreciated how, how they, how they didn't spend too much time with one-on-one conversations between Ray and Luke because Ray had to, you're basically watching Ray realize a lot of the stuff about the force mm-hmm. through her own journey on the island. Right. And I don't like the exact sequence of her trying to figure out who her parents are. I, I visually that took me out of the movie when you huh. see like so many rays in a row, but I do like that idea that beneath all of this greenery beneath, um, beneath the surface is that, that pit of darkness. Right. Um, because that's, that's the ambiguity that I felt more so in this movie than I've seen in any other Star Wars movie because part of my criticism has always been it's it's too straightforward. It's yeah. too too much like there's the light and the dark. Well, I don't care about the light and the dark because I live in a world of gray. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Mr. Robot World. <laughs> and and finally that's what got explained to me. And I'm like, okay, I get it now. I understand what the force is. And they even talk about it. And what, what was interesting during my rewatch of the force awakens is the, the concepts about the force that Luke explains to Ray 
are pretty much the same thing that Maz explains to her in The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I also take offense when people are like, this is a big F you to J.J. Abrams. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. He complimented him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> you just have to, you just have to almost, you have to go back and rewatch and be like, oh, I now, now that my excitement that this franchise is coming back has been removed, I can now appreciate that film for just being a film and a, and part one of a story. And then I can rewatch this one and just appreciate it for not being like, oh, the next great Star Wars film, but being part two of a story. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to part three. Um, what were your thoughts about the, the force connection between Ray and Kylo? That to me was, um, and I think I may have even messaged you like whenever we, you finally saw it after I did the first time. Um, it clearly from the force awakens, the two of them had, you know, definite chemistry on, on screen. Right. Um, so it just made sense for them to find a way story wise to, to pair them. Um, to me, that was, uh, an extension. One of the things about, the Last Jedi, it took what we knew about the Force, but then it expanded on it. And this was one of those expansion of the power. You know, basically it was just the, obviously it was the, the, the vehicle that they utilized to, to get these two together and really get to the core of their conflict. Um, and, and, and the core of, you know, Kylo's, Kylo's sense of, his place in the universe and wanting to, you know, live up to his grandfather and, and, and for Ray to, you know, her sense of belonging and trying to find her parents. I mean, they both, I mean, I think one of the most compelling things about both Ray and Kylo that is in her, that, that would naturally draw them together is they're both on this journey of trying to find their place in the, in the Star Wars universe. And by using this, this, you know, plot device to, um, you know, draw them together really fleshed out in each, you know, they used each other to flesh out that, 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 that story of trying to find their place and find their belonging. Um, and of course had that undercurrent of sexual tension as well, <laughs> which, uh, which also in, in and of itself also created an additional level, an additional layer of, uh, you know, in, in their story, um, that, um, you know, again, to, to, to pick up on your point about it's not always black and white, it's shades of gray. Um, you know, I, I think that all those elements working together made for a very strong, compelling story. And really as a viewer, you know, I was wondering who was going to win out in this conflict. Is it, is Kylo going to, you know, seduce her to the quote unquote dark side or will Ray right. went over and, you know, help Kylo find his way, um, back to the light? Yeah. I, I first very disoriented by this whole plot device. Very disoriented. I'm like, what the heck is going on? 
I don't like this. And then the more they did it, mm-hmm. the more the um, the chemistry that I saw it, um, it started to work. Mm-hmm. And I started to just really enjoy these two characters. And yeah. Lord, please, they cannot be off screen with each other for too long because there's just something magnetic about those two when they're talking, when they're fighting, when they're debating things. And it's so fascinating because it's complex. It's yeah. not, it's not simple. And, and I really like it. And they, they're just, they're just great. Um, what I really found fascinating about it was the, you mentioned Kylo and his love of his grandfather and trying to emulate so much of his grandfather which I feel like this story between Kylo and Ray is the story that I was promised a long, long time ago um, with the names of Anakin, Anakin and Padme. Mm, yeah. Only in reverse. Mm-hmm. Because you you start off with Anakin, who's in the light, and then you see his descent into the darkness because of love. Yeah. You see this in reverse where you see Kylo in the darkness, but because of his love for Rey or whatever connection they have, he gets pulled into the light. And I also appreciate this idea that, that they made it very clear. It does not matter who Rey's, who Rey's parents are. Yes. Because, because what you have to understand is that at the end of the day, she is the byproduct of Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren lifted up the darkness, and to balance it out, the Force had to produce a hope, and that is Rey, yep. to balance, make it equilibrium. And I think, and to have that, like, that context revolving around this narrative makes it so much more dynamic than just like, hey, and then this, she's related to this person. Mm-hmm. Well, why do we care? And if we care about the family lineages, then why does the force matter? So I feel like this movie, in a way, makes it more important about your understanding about the, how the force works so that there is still this magic sense that people are brought together or torn apart yep. because of this this magic intertwined in this universe. Yeah, yeah, that's... You know, I didn't really think about it in that in that sense, but uh, I mean, you raise a very good point about, um, uh, you know, the the comp, you know, how Ray and Kylo are are the converse of Padme and Anakin, and and also um, just the, the larger point of you know blowing up everyone's fan fandom theories that you know Ray is the you know lost daughter of Kenobi or somebody you know or you know or has some Skywalker Skywalker lineage. Right, right. Which I will say though, I, I like ninety percent of me are just like, yeah, Kylo, Kylo and Ray, Kylo and Ray. I ship it, sold. Yeah. <laughs> um, I ship it like overnight FedEx. <laughs> but a part of me also is a bit annoyed with it mm-hmm. because when when you're introduced to Star Wars and told like we have a female lead and this is our Luke Skywalker character. This is our hero. But the hero doesn't work without 
the guy character, which this is Kylo Ren's movie. Yeah. Well, it is. And and it that bothers me because as much as I love Kylo Ren and he is the most fascinating thing, it pisses me off that they're in a way wasting Ray, who who could be a Wonder Woman character, and yet she gets overshadowed. Yeah. Yeah, do you find that that's a function of just the dynamic of the story? Or do you think it's just the, the way that the movie was directed as far as, you know, really, or the story? You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, what, what do you think that's the function of? Or, 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 or does Kylo just sort of have to, have to be the dominant one in this in this in this particular chapter of the story in order to uh to to to, to get to your point help raise that balance of hope um that was teased right a lot it's but in in some regards it was extinguished but yet but then at the in the middle of the film but at the end of the end of this film it was definitely like at the forefront with not only Luke's sacrifice, but also Ray, you know, coming into her own with something that, you know, if you take it back to Empire Strikes Back, Luke had such difficulty with of like moving, you know, the X-Wing. In this context, it was the rocks. Right. Uh, where she has, in some regards, at this point in her Jedi tutelage, surpassed Luke at, at his same point. And his Jedi, right. Jedi to the Lich. Right. I see. I don't. I don't think that it is a result of her power, of her strength. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a result of putting her in that that model of a Star Wars hero, mm-hmm. that straight character, the character that represents um, one half of the spectrum. To the point where they can't fall. Like, gotcha. it took us decades to see Luke, Luke Skywalker fall. Yeah. Now, will the third movie, the third installment, be where we see Rey and we really start to understand her more and she becomes more three-dimensional? Hopefully. I cannot say. Um, I, I just, I wish that she didn't, her complexity didn't rest on her love of a man or her, her connection to mm-hmm. the antagonist. Gotcha. Like I wish that there was something else about her. There was something else about her history or just her as a character that was just like, that's me or that's somebody I want to be, or I understand that. So I, I think there's just something about it where whether male or female, you put anybody in that category, they're always going to come off flat when they could be so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Because fair, fair point. Like some people, like a lot of people prefer Han Solo over Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, growing up, I think everybody wanted to be Han. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or Leia. Or Leia, yeah, or Leia, yeah. You fight on the fight, you know, people will fight on the playground about who's going to be Han, who's going to be Leia, and I was like, okay, and then, you know, somebody, you know, 
you know, even R2 would be like more popular sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and then you have the kid who wants to be Darth Vader before he's Luke Skywalker, or yeah. the kid who wants to be Darth Maul. Yeah. So, like, there's also something, an advantage to being the villain. Totally. Too. Yeah, and the way the story is constructed, it, that it's, unfortunately, if there is a weakness to the Star Wars storytelling device, it, you know, the hero figure does come across as two-dimensional. Right, right. It does. Until he um, hides away on an island for years yeah. and then, you know, decides to make one last stand and... Yeah. So, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. The biggest spoiler of this movie is the fact that Luke dies. Yes. It, yes. Yes. He dies now does he become a force ghost or does yeah. he <laughs> <laughs> i guess yeah i guess mark hamill's been on an apology tour so it's like please have me back please have me back i didn't mean i didn't mean to like yeah but no i'm just joking um but uh so i will say just and maybe it's just the the, the bookend the sentimentalist in me or whatever i have to admit i i was bawling like a baby in the theater when that scene of the visions of the, you know, when Luke looked up and saw the twin sons and stuff, that, that did me in. Uh, I will freely admit, uh, that it did. So, um, yeah, I know. Yeah. So I, I will put it out there, uh, you know, not only once, but even the second time when I saw it, I still like got choked up. <laughs> I guess it's just one of those moments of your childhood that like comes back to like, you know, you didn't realize how much it impacted you until, like, you know, one of your favorite characters, or, or, or I guess the power, the powerfulness of the moment was was well done by Mark Hamill. <laughs> At least that, that's that's just me. <laughs> and if there's any, if there's anybody out there that's listening and felt the same way, please tweet us. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same yeah. way. I think that this wasn't for me. This this was more for nostalgia totally. and sentimental value. Yep. And and you know, I I don't understand the force ghost thing. Um it, it reminds me too much of a of a it's an ex machina. It's yeah. Like, hey, we, we're gonna kill him, but we're gonna have a little bit of fun. And I mean, I, I do appreciate how it was shot. I appreciate the, the red and the white, all of that fun stuff where you rewatch the movie and gain more appreciation from it after the viewings. Um, but during my experience actually watching it, I was just like, this is stupid. You spent <laughs> so long raising Kylo up, and then you you practically squander him during this epic moment, and then Luke overshadows, and suddenly I'm like, Luke, you're a villain, and oh, you're dead, and oh, God, I don't know how to feel about anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there, it's just, it was not... It's something that I just couldn't, I couldn't get 100% on board with. I have other issues that are with the movie that are far supersede this. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't my favorite thing in the world. I do, I do agree with you though. If you're gonna do it, then 
you do that last shot and have it come full circle because that's what Star Wars movies are. They're full yeah, circles. Totally are. So you got to do that. And, um, I, so I, I appreciate that. It's done nice and well. At the same time, it's totally a cop out move. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, yeah, but yeah, it is, it is, but you know, it's not like when Harrison Ford, who was, you know, who, who wanted Han Solo killed. I mean, I think, uh, obviously Mark Hamill, just based off his, you know, very, very public disagreements with, with Ryan about how Luke was written. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if it, you know, probably would have preferred for Luke to not become a force ghost, but, um, right. um, but, uh, but, you know, again, I think it was a, a very fitting ending to the character, at least in the, in his corporeal sense. Um, right. Because, you know, Leia was supposed to have a big part in the final movie, so right. I don't think that this is the last we'll see of Mark Hamill, especially no. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, obviously in real life events, so we'll, we'll force the issue of him having to, you know, probably play a bigger role when JJ writes the script. Um, but, uh, but, you know, but I, you know, I had, I will have to disagree with you a little bit, um, on, on the scene in the, in the desert. Um, well, not desert, I guess the, the salt world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, see, I thought that was a, I, I actually appreciated that, that scene, especially after watching it a second time, because honestly, I thought that, you know, when we saw the little, uh, quick snippet of the X-Wing in the ocean, underwater, and the, uh-huh. uh, in the, uh, Jedi, uh, Atoll, um, world, uh, right. I, you know, I had like, you know, I, I kept waiting for the moment in the, when I was watching it the first time of like, the X-Wing just swooping out of the sky and Luke saving the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so the way that it was done to me was, uh, was one, it just showed, uh, the capabilities of Luke, you know, when he fully, you know, after he, he you know, he had his moment, his epiphany of like, uh, I am a master. His discussion with Yoda. Finding his own place in all this, because I think that's a part of the story that I think doesn't get told as much, um, with this film. It, you know, in a way it was, uh, it was a good closure for, for Luke because, you know, in the original trilogy, it was, you know, it, it was the Skywalker story and it was really as much about Anakin as it was about Luke. Mm-hmm. And so this film really gave Luke his story and his arc to finally, you know, be able to come full circle and, and, and really become almost the, the, you know, the possibly the greatest Jedi and doing what he did, which I know a lot of the folks who are, who are deep, deep Star Wars fans reference how I guess he did this in one of the comics or books where this power first appeared as force projection, but uh, it was nice to see it portrayed on film. Yeah, I think I think it's just maybe it's not my oversaturation of Star Wars. It's my oversaturation of comic books, movies, and mm. shows, where 
we talk about them all the time. Well, yeah. we have doppelgangers now. We have second earths. We have, yeah. we have all of these reasons why characters get quasi killed and then come back. Yeah. And, and I think that's what my experience was on. I, I agree. Like, I like, I like Luke, Luke's arc. That all makes sense. Um, how his, journey comes full circle makes sense but i didn't like the the idea that we're going to have this big showdown and it's going to be a bait and switch Mm. and i just i that didn't sit right with me it was it took me out because i felt like why do people keep doing this yeah yeah (laughs) that's a fair point and you're right it is an overused you know trope and, and storytelling these days these days it's just crazy and i mean and you also have this coming at the end of a very long movie yeah which (laughs) Which could have been longer constantly (laughs) you're on leia watch like is she gonna die now yeah she gonna die now is she gonna die now (laughs) yeah all right let's let's talk about the yeah yeah let's let's talk about that scene or are we are we are we uh are we good no one okay yeah are we good with any with the Ray Kylo Luke try story? I, we I know I touched on Yoda. Anything more you want to add about Yoda? Um, I don't. I think um, I like how how yes, the last Jedi is Luke. However, the Jedi will continue because Ray has the scrolls. Hmm. So very cool. Very cool. Um. And, and I, um, I don't have anything else necessarily to say other than, um, my favorite moment was when Kylo killed Snoke. Yes, that was, that was pretty dope. <laughs> that was a it, it just, from, from the way they executed that yeah. to where, like, like that takes some, that is some genius writing in my opinion, because you're setting it up to where Snoke can, read all of Kylo's thoughts. So Kylo has to outsmart him by by responding in a way just like he would if Ray was the enemy. Yeah. And then then they had the the one of the best fight sequences I've seen in a Star Wars movie, like just hand to hand combat mm-hmm. with them versus the guards. The yeah. tag team action of it all. I love that. And I love how like what we were saying a few minutes ago, Star Wars always comes full circle, and you have that moment again where Kylo offers Rey a place, offers her a sense of belonging, just like he did in The Force Awakens, and mm-hmm. she continues to say no. And and I and I always think those see those moments are interesting because I'm constantly like, yeah, <laughs> do it. <laughs> because and also, I mean, if you if you think about it, well, he, I I get why she says no. Mm-hmm. I I get why she's so hurt over it, and just and she says that very Daisy does a great job in that moment where she's like, Ben, don't do this. Um, but what he offers her is nothing different than what Luke says about the Jedi and the Force. Yep. Which, which makes that so much more fascinating and interesting because it, it really is ambiguous. Yep. Uh, who, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys anymore? Yep. 
Exactly. Which I think again, you know, some of the angst that we saw um from from certain quarters of fandom, um, they just couldn't take that. No. No. They they want the paint by number scripts again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they really mean yeah, yeah. you know adult coloring these days has really <laughs> I think I, I know I think it's more not that they didn't want it it's more that I didn't predict it mm-hmm. therefore this automatically sucks yeah well there's that too <laughs> yeah I think I think that's the, the bitterness right now yeah that that's that you're feeling, but that that was really those few things were um, what I wanted to say about it. But if if you want to talk about Leia and probably my least favorite scene in the movie, then go ahead, sir, take it away. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I mean it's it it is what it is. I mean I, I don't know if it was when we were having a back and forth conversation before. Um, I don't know if you called it Mary Poppins or. Or I saw it somewhere else, but, uh, yeah, it, 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 I mean, my only way, my only, yeah, and I, and I said this, uh, when I watched the film, uh, it, well, I guess the only justification for it was Le- Leia has always been very force sensitive. Uh, she chose not to go that path. And, uh, but, you know, it was a very convenient plot device to, to manifest itself at that moment. It's just, I mean, okay. I love the movie The Guardians of the Galaxy. The movie dropped a good point or two rating, though, when they had the Quill moment that was very similar. Mm. Because he also ended up in space and like, oh, he's going to die. Oh, Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yes. Yes, that's right. Like, Like, I don't understand writers right now. Like, if they're in space, they can't breathe. Yeah. Stop messing with (laughs) Well, okay. Yeah. If you're going to do it at that point of the story, just, just, just follow through with it. I guess. I mean. It's not needed. Like, that's what I find so, so interesting is that I've heard the justification. Like, oh, it's the force sense and all of this. I'm like, I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with how that scene is executed and shown. It, it's stupid. It's very ridiculous. It's, there was it a, just takes you right out of the movie. Yeah. And it, it bothers me because there are so many other ways to do that without making making her look so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it is a problem. Well, actually, yeah, I just thought while well, you're, you're you mentioned that uh, there's an episode of Star Trek Discovery that does a very similar thing with this principal one of his principal uh-huh. characters. And um yeah, it's just um yeah, I mean, as I said, I there there could have been a better way to execute that scene if they wanted to put Leia on the Leia on the shelf for a part of the film. Yeah, yeah, like, and that was another part of it. It's like, it, so in the long run, you weren't even necessarily trying to be like, oh yeah, she's force sensitive. No, you just wanted to remove her from the board for a little bit. Yeah, like there. So many ways to do that, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I really do think that they watched Guardians of the Galaxy right before writing that scene. I, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that worked for that movie. <laughs> Stop doing that. 
I and then I I think that the distaste from that moment and the realization of how it it affects Poe's storyline, it really left me with a bitterness towards him throughout mm. the rest of the movie. Really? <laughs> <laughs> because I I just Poe is interesting in the sense that I still don't know if I know who this character is, yes. and we just finished watching the second installment of a trilogy, and I really don't know if I'm on board with him or not. I'm on board with Oscar Isaac. I'm just not 100% on board with Poe Dameron. Yeah. Because yeah. he's Poe. He's Poe. He's Flyboy. You know, oh, you know that... I, I liked the arc, what they were trying to do there. I mean, it, we were introduced with, to him in the first sense, the first story, and he was kind of cowboyish, very cowboyish. Um, this one, he was, you know, they just, he was like cowboyish on steroids. <laughs> yep. But, um, and they didn't put any fine point on it either. They're like, we're going to just blatantly, like, you know, you know, I guess there's no subtlety to this character. That's a good way to put it. Uh, it's a very in-your-face, you know, flyboyish character. And maybe Han Solo was this way, too. I mean, you know, of course, you know, when you look back from in a nostalgic sense, you, you might see the nuance. But if there were, you know, um, but here, you know, he, he, you know, basically he's our Han in this, in this, in this trilogy. Um, right. And so, but I did, but I will say, his maturity or evolution throughout the film, it, it, it actually, it did kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, and it, and it took the sacrifice of, you know, Admiral Holdo for it to, to be executed. I mean, it, it couldn't have happened in a vacuum, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so their, their tension and back and forth, was good in the sense that it, 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 it took the flyboy character and, you know, fleshed him out some and, and, and you know, it, it's setting him up to basically be the next leader of the, of the, of the, of the resistance. Right. Like it, it's, and, it's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say, and I think it took a third. It it took the Holdo character to do it, and not Leia. No, that's right. It 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 definitely is um, probably the case of a a pacing issue mm-hmm. in terms of the storytelling, um, because it almost was like the 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 uh, her her sacrifice came for me at least a bit too late mm. for to really feel it um and punch me in a in the gut um in terms of how I felt about Poe mm. like for me to watch that scene play out in Poe's um shoes as opposed to me just watching that scene play out and being like oh my god this is so cool she did that yeah. um so for i guess what i'm saying is that in terms of character growth, it does impact significantly Poe. I just didn't get that so much as 
as a viewer, it was more like, oh my god, that is an amazing sequence, yeah. and then the idea that we've never seen before, mm-hmm. um, yeah. hats off to you. Yeah. So I just, there's something about Poe, though, where he's got great charisma, he's got good charm, he pulls off a lot of humor in this movie. Um, I like him and Leia together when they're on screen. Not enough of that. Yeah. What I still don't know is who he is. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know why he joined the, the rebellion. I don't know what his stakes are in it. I feel like I got more from the lead in Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Genoso, yeah. Right. Well, her and then who's, who's the other guy? Oh, uh, what's the cat, uh, the, um. Cassian. Cassian, Cassian yeah. Yep. Yeah, there was, we knew more about Cassian than we've learned in the past two movies about Poe. Yep. Totally. Totally. So, so I think, I think that's what I need for him to suddenly become much more of a, of a full character rather than just this is your next rogue hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's what happened. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, what's her face? Got it. Had it really good. I can't remember her name. Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was. She was. That was some great bit of casting there. I don't know. Um. She. She really brought a, a lot to to a, a very critical role. I think in, in this film. Um. You know. And again, I mean, like you said. You know, to get to your point about people's motivations and getting to know characters, I, I felt like in that in the span of the time she was on screen, I, I for me that was, uh, you know, I learned more about her than I've learned about Poe over the last two films. Um, right, and you know, they they made it a big deal when Force Awakens came out about how so all of these books, um, all of these TV shows are canon now and there's an emphasis on canon and there was a lot of people who are like, well, I just want to go watch the movies and appreciate the movies. Well, this character is one of the biggest Easter eggs of those who do go out and read the books Mm -hmm. and everything because she appears in one of the books and you learn more about her past relationship with Leia mm-hmm. and which which suddenly I'm like well now I kind of want to read that book yeah well that's that's <laughs> that's, that's Disney's that's Disney's and Lucasfilm's goal you know or get more out of your wallet <laughs> right well it's just it's just interesting yeah. because if you you don't have to go into everybody's backstory in the movie but you gotta leave them with a reason to look into and investigate it, um, and appeal. And the way they just, they sent her off in that decision was great. Yeah. I am on the side that it should have been Leia, um, yeah. to, to have done that. But I understand that Leia, Leia had more to do, right. or had more to do, and they're still trying to figure out how to do that. Um, under these circumstances, which is fascinating, so so they they made their decision. Yeah, made their choice. They made their yeah yeah, but uh, it was an amazing send off, and it, I, I found it so funny that uh, one I guess AMC actually had to uh, put uh, uh, 
for for a short period they put on the the the, the uh, doors of the movie theater. You know, there will be a moment of like no sound. There's nothing wrong with the film. <laughs> it, it, it was disorienting. It was. It was. It, but it was. But it was. But I guess that lends to the powerfulness of that scene. Um. You know, because you know, when you have a film that always has such a you know dynamic score from John Williams, and then um, and then just always just there's always energy and you know sound and blasters and ships and all that kind of stuff. Just to have that moment of silence, it was very eerie. But all this is, but you know that since that that lack you know that that sensory deprived moment was uh very powerful and it you know it just you know brought so much more to that scene and even more so i think the second time i watched it once i you know was more conscious of it because the first time i wasn't even conscious of it and i think that was the power that was what made it work so well i the first i was very confused Mm. um and it left a bad taste in my mouth Mm. um because I was one of the stupid people like, what is, what is going on? And I think what it is, is that I am used to, um, film and TV to directors to place emphasis on the emotion mm-hmm. by having it go silent. Like that's, that's been done so many times. Yeah. Um, the difference is though that in this case, we're watching Models explode yeah. on screen, mm-hmm. and not a person breaking down. Right. So there's you 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 feel that impact more because it's it's more tangible. Yeah. And often um, the face of an individual it says so much more yeah. than a model. So I I think that that would be my argument as to why that didn't come off the same way for everyone yeah. is because it's you don't see that often and it is a very odd choice because yeah. but I think it's a it's a it's a choice and I think it, the reason why it is you know one of those things that to me makes it very compelling is like you know getting back to my earlier point about there's always sound and kinetic energy with the Star Wars film. Uh-huh. There's never a you know a silent moment. Because even right. when like even when like you know way back you know at the New Hope when Alderaan was destroyed, I mean you know or any any you know there's always sound. I mean to like heighten the sensory experience, and this was just the complete opposite of that. Right, which which I like. I love those kinds of moments, but um, do they flash to anyone's face during that moment? Um, I'm trying to remember if they have any reaction from the folks on the escaping cruisers. I don't. I can't remember. Right, because because that's that's what I'm getting at. Like 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 I'm completely on board with silencing the moment making that impact, but then cut to a face of a person reacting. Show me me something else about it. Rather than focus so much on those, those models blowing up because, because that's the, the impact you already felt it. Yeah. So, but you really want, 
to, to get across that, oh, my God, in this moment, the world stood still. Well, if I want to be in this world, I want to know, like, it stood still for those around it. So, like, show Leia's face. Show Poe's face. But but don't don't focus for those full 10 seconds or 15 seconds on on different angles of the same things blowing up that are inanimate objects. Yeah, yeah, fair point, fair point. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think you know, I think I, I think we're 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 definitely are are the uh, uh, poster children here as far as how people how different people like perceive that that that, that moment. Yeah, and I think that's one of the more controversial ones because it's still I I one of the reasons why I want to go back and rewatch it is for that moment because mm-hmm. I want to know why it didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really do because yeah. the moment where if, where I have to listen to people talk about it and be like, no, it's a silence, and I'm like, I love that kind of shit. And it totally <laughs> went over my head, and I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah. So another piece of this puzzle that often is getting criticized for a reason mm-hmm. um, is is the Finn and Rose storyline. Yeah. Finn and Rose and DJ, yeah. i.e. Benicio del Toro's character. Yeah, I like DJ. He. It could have been anyone, Will. It could have been anyone. Yeah. It did not have to be Benicio del Toro. Yeah, it could have been anyone, but he did. He, he did. Uh, he did good work with what he was given. But so, what did you think about Finn and Rose? Ah, uh, uh, see, I am conflicted here. I, I, I'm, I'm. Uh, if I, I, I try not to be a shipper. But, you know, but if I do have to, if someone did, you know, gave me true serum and said, who would you like to see shipped? It would be Finn and, Finn and Ray. You sucker. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt the first time I watched it, I just felt that. Well, first I felt like they just didn't know what to do with Finn. Yeah. Um, To be honest, that, that my first time watching it, I was just like. For the first three quarters of the film where whenever he was on the screen, I just felt like he just was there for comic relief or the, the use, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Or, you know, and, and also there was no growth. I was like, Oh, he's running again. I'm like, it's like, Oh yeah. It's like the brother's running again. Come on. <laughs> no. He tried to sacrifice himself at the end. That was ridiculous. That was the re- that was the moment where I was like, finally, they finally gave him something to do, and then uh, and I was really I was and honestly I have to say when I was when I was watching it, um, I was like, they're gonna follow through with it. But my wife made a very good point. She's like, well, if they killed Ben off, then Black Twitter would would just destroy the Star Wars franchise. I was like, yeah, you're right. So <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Um, but uh, but. More to the point, that was that was a, that was I think that finally the moment where Finn like had his true growth. Uh, it just has to be ruined with a god awful line. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I hate that line so much. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I can totally so okay. Um, 
when she said it, I did not relate that to her and um, Finn. I would immediately went to Ray and Kylo. I'm like, yeah, that's yep. right. Yep. Kylo <laughs> saved Ray. <laughs> <laughs> but he also killed something he hates. So I don't know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> I. I, re- I really like the actress who plays yeah, Rose. Yes, yeah, nothing wrong with Kelly Tran. She's great. Was- Underutilized. Totally. Could have done more with her. Yeah. Uh, they could have. John Boyega. And like, this is what bothers me about it is that for for years there, after watching Force Awakens, I immediately associate like when I think about Star Wars, I think about John Boyega, mm-hmm. and that has to do a lot with that first trailer. He's yep. the first face you see. The guy has got charisma. Totally, yes. Like superstar power. Totally. And they they are not uplifting his character the way that they could. Mm-hmm. They they just they couldn't. I'm so angry. <laughs> See, this is what upsets me. Is that is that I I really want this kid to do good, yep. and I really like these movies partly because of him because yep. he can pull off that humor. And they got sidetracked with Poe. They got sidetracked with Kylo, and they had no time to spend on Finn. Yeah. That's the way I felt about it. And they just saddled him up with somebody else to go off on this crazy adventure that didn't make any sense. And it just, it just, this is probably the most Star, well, Star Wars I felt in the movie. Hmm. I think I'm going to go on this theory. Okay. On this, on this little rant that I, I really do. Like there's there's the moment in The Force Awakens where they have those aliens on the ship that a lot of people walked away like that was the worst scene. Like this whole section trying to find this this person um, and going to the casino and all of that that's that took me completely out. Like when and this is the most it felt like the prequels. Yeah. Where random CGI adventures yeah. in space. Mm-hmm. No, no, no gravity to it. No, no big things happening. Just like, hey, we're going to go explore the galaxy. Yay. Yep. And, and I think that, I want to say that I think that overall it's another issue about pacing because this, this movie as a whole, the biggest down part downfall of it. The biggest flaw in it is that you have three storylines with no context of time. Mm. Because Ray's storyline picks up the exact moment where we leave off in The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. I have no idea when the other two begin. But the other two are, are immediately Placed under a timer with the idea that we're we're gonna have to drop defenses after 18 hours because that's when our fuel runs out. Yeah. And and you're just like okay, and you're jumping back and forth. And I I also feel like Finn and Rose weren't given a fair shake because they they had they were on a mission. 
and they couldn't spend too much time to do anything because of that timer they were placed under. Yeah. Which, which again, it goes back to what we were saying before about the layout point. Things that you could have done differently and made it a better movie. Yeah, yeah. They could have trimmed the whole Finn rate, the Finn Rose Canto Bright thing. And it, it, yeah, you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have taken away, it would have added to the story, I think, to take it, take that diversion off. Right. Off. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, they already had like trimmed things and they could have trimmed some more and that could have been part of the story that would have, but then Finn really wouldn't have had much, much to do. Um, he, he would have been pretty much a true, you know, true, you know, true supporting character at that point, which, I mean, the way the Force Awakens utilized his character, he was like the new big three, you know? Well, he should have stayed on the ship with Poe. Yeah. Should have stayed on there. And I'm, I'm not the first person to say this. I won't be the last person to say this. Rewatch this, the first episode of Battlestar Galactica. Like, not the miniseries, but the first episode. 33 minutes. This storyline and this idea that they are, they are, they'll be out of fuel and they've been, are being tracked through hyperspace. Mm-hmm. Is that storyline from Battlestar Galactica? Mm. And yet, Battlestar, because it's an isolated hour of time where you're, you're shown different variations of stress and, and just exhaustion through all of these different, um, individuals on, on board of these ships. Um, it, it makes the significance of that kind of plot device elevated so much more than what this did, where I really feel like it kind of, it, it hindered a lot of what they were trying to do in terms of storyline mm. instead of elevated the material. Yeah. 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 That's a very, very good point. I, I did, you know, I haven't watched uh, the new Battlestar Galactica, but, um, um, uh, but I, but your, your point is well taken that, um, the, you know, prolonged, um, bombardment and this fuel thing, um, yeah, it, it, they, they could have like, it, they could have tightened it up and, and yeah. Yeah. Tighten it up, make it, make it feel much more claustrophobic. Yeah. The, the urgency wasn't there. Yes, that's, that's, that's what I was, that's what I was looking for. There was no sense of urgency. Huh. Like, yeah. y- you often would forget, like, oh yeah, because, right. hey, we just spent 20 minutes with Ray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or we're off, Chase, or we're off on this, you know, adventure with Finn and, and Rose on this gambling planet. Which, right. which I think, cause, I mean, they could have made the point about the, I know where they were trying to go with, you know, with DJ talk, you know, showing how the bigger point that was sort of you know, the theme throughout this, the shades of gray and how the resistance, you know, you know, had this, their shade of gray in that all these people, uh, you know, all these arms dealers, you know, they don't care what side, you know, they're just, they're all caring about lining their pockets. They could have, Told that story just as easily without the long um, digression into all this other stuff. 
absolutely. It's and and that makes me think about the disservice of Finn. Yeah. Because having rewatched The Force Awakens, like you're reminded about where he comes from, who mm-hmm. he is, and mm-hmm. and a lot of the cowder cowardness that he does have in him. Um, but doesn't it now suddenly feel very familiar? Like yeah. his whole interactions with um, Rose and the sunset. Hey, I'm running away. Yep. Oh, yeah, now I'm on an adventure with you. Yeah. And this is who I am. No, it isn't. Like maybe that's why I was so annoyed by it where I'm just like, we've seen this before. Yeah. Because I, I felt that way throughout that whole sequence. I'm like, come on. Some, you know, and even even that evening, and after watching it the first time, and I was you know talking it over with my wife and family, we were just like, okay, we we've we've seen that story before. Then right. give him something, give him something new, which right. or, well, or it, explore it, it that or, much further, or, or explore it further. I mean, and he and he did get his moment with the whole with Captain Phasma, uh, but again, it was just we're we're you know we're back to Force Awakens. Uh, so, you know, it was nice to see him have his moment where he, he, you know, whenever they were, he was going to go down the mall of the big laser cannon. Um, that was like, finally, they're doing something right. with this character, but, you know, but yeah, yeah, they could have done, they could have done a whole lot more. Yeah, because if they had left him on the ship with Poe, Poe's whole betrayal of the general and and ultimately, um, why am I blinking for words right now? He he basically ha- conducts a mutiny yeah. while on board because they don't tell him about the plan. Right? How much more interesting could have that been? Had Poe had um, Finn been there, and part of the reason why they have to do the mutiny is because nobody trusts Finn because he used to be a stormtrooper. Yeah, exactly. That would have been so, a much more compelling story. Yeah, and it goes back to what you were saying before about this whole storyline felt like you were trying to get to get across the the gray grayness of war and how some people benefit so much from the the war itself mm-hmm. and how wrong that is but there there's other things to do here that are far more important than that traditional um point yeah because we've seen that before yeah it's nothing new yeah <laughs> i will i will say like another thing that pisses me off about the reactions to this movie is that there's a lot of blame towards rain um rain Johnson. Right, I said yeah. his name right. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so tired all of a sudden. Um, I thought that he did a great job. Oh yeah. Directing wise, like minus the Finn Rose stuff on whatever you want to call Cantabite, I think yeah. it's called. Yeah. I he had some of the best action sequences. Um, my favorite still is in Rogue One. Of course, we all know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But some of some of the the space battles were badass. Um, we've talked at length about a lot of these things, but overall, it was great. And what was really interesting in my Force Awakens rewatch was it, it solidified um, 
what appealed to me so much about the cinematography of The Last Jedi, because with the with Last Jedi, we're talking about themes about ambiguity mm-hmm. um, and and things not being as simple on the surface as they are beneath the surface. And you see that just in terms of the visuals. I mean, yeah. you, you're muted t- tones, a lot of gray, a lot of dark, a lot of color, but the color is is not as vibrant and shiny as it as it appeared in The Force Awakens, where with The Force Awakens, J.J. really was just like, we're going to reintroduce you into this world, and everything is bright and shiny and new and refresh. And The Last Jedi is very worn and torn and and very, um, you feel like it's dusted. Yeah. And, and I like that difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how it just, it's not only reminding you that there's two different directors, but that they're telling two different parts of the force. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Which, which, oh, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, where does JJ take this? Um, I, 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 you know, and I, and I almost, you know, will he go back to the familiar? Will he, um, you know, take it to, you know, will he, you know, pick up the themes and, you know, be willing to take some chances with the story that, you know, that, that Rain did like he did? Um, or will we go back to the familiar? See, I, I find it to be. One question. <laughs> um, well, I find the answer to that come out um, two different ways. If he's gonna do with what he knows and what he set up in the first one, then and his familiar style, there'll be a time jump oh, um, with the third one. Okay, I thought you were gonna see a lot of flare lenses. <laughs> well, that too. Thank you. I forgot about that. If if he if he's gonna continue where Rain left off, and if he's gonna wrap up this trilogy um, and really tell the third part of the story, I don't think there should be a time jump. So I think you're. I think there's gonna be a time jump, and I think I I, I hope what given that there is the potential for another trilogy. I'm hoping what JJ will do is to finally close the Star the Skywalker legacy. What does that mean? Basically, you know, have thing basically end it with Ben Solo and you know and start a new story with with Ray as the as the as the Next generation of Jedi, and oh, don't and, don't use Ray again. <laughs> or yeah, or yeah, well, or maybe not use Ray, but or or just pick. I mean, you know, we had a little kid with the broom. You know, some some something new, something different. And and the reason why I say that is because we got that with, even though it was a, we got that a little bit with Rogue One, where you can have a compelling Star Wars film without. The, with, with the whole set of new characters that has, you know, yes, we had Darth Vader in it, but, you know, 
these characters and 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 Rogue One were completely divorced from our you know Han, Leia, Luke, and all you know, and all the people we're familiar with. Right. Right. No, I I agree with that, and I think that's what we're gonna get with Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Yeah. Um, for me, I don't. I don't. How do I put this? I don't know why you would do a time jump or need to do a time jump um, to finish the story, though. Yeah. Well, because the- there because. The only reason why you would do it, in my opinion, is that, hey, we need to give time off screen for the resistance to build back up because right now there are like 40 people. Yeah, Yeah. there's that little thing. (laughs) But, but, I mean, granted, what we've learned about the Force does not even matter. That, well, well, but see, here's the thing. If you, if, if you make the Force so powerful, then, you know, it's, it's, Sort of like we, what we talk about with like the Flash and other, some of our superhero shows. It's, you know, you can't make it, if you make it too powerful, then, you know, you know, the thing is done in the first 10 minutes because the good guy, you know, they go just over, completely overwhelm the bad guy. But I think the getting to your point of the time jump, I think you will need some type of time jump to explain what happened to Leia. Depending on what they choose to do with Leia. Yeah. Because, I mean, an explanation for Leia can easily come up in the crawl, easily be the first scene. Yeah. You know, depending on what, how you're going to treat that will impact the decision. I just, I think that there would, there would be something so interesting now that Ray, Kylo is in complete control over, um, the new order and you have Ray who is basically harboring all of the, the resistance mm-hmm. in, in, um, again, blanking on names. All the books. <laughs> the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And she has the books. There, there's to me something very interesting that they could easily do to where it just picks up right where they left off. Mm-hmm. And, and because we haven't had that final showdown, like, I, I think urgency, I think stakes would be lost if you do a year time jump, if you do six months time jump. Maybe get away with six months. Yeah. But I have, I have a bad feeling that if they were to do a time jump, all of a sudden we're gonna get like two years later, and I'm like, bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it can't be, yeah. It can't because be. Kylo does not take no from Ray very lightly, okay, no, guys? Yeah. <laughs> he is going to be very much using everything in his power to to find the Millennial Falcon, Millennium Falcon, find and, and destroy everything in yeah. his past and, and figure stuff out and try to convince her that he's still Ben, even though he's Kylo. So I think, so if, with that in, in the context, then, yes, I think, It'll be, maybe it will be a very short time jump. And, uh, and, you know, one of the points that they did make in the, you know, as the last Jedi was winding down is they did send out a signal to all the systems. And so they can't pick, they, you know, so even though no one answered at that moment, um, you know, as, as things, um, sort of unfold, I mean, there could be, 
you know, there, there could be, you know, responses to the, to the signal sent to the outer, to the outer, outer rim and, um, you know, be able to, to rebuild the resistance, uh, for this final showdown. Um, right. Um, and also, uh, you know, there's no star killer base. So, you know, there, you know, there, we basically, you just have, you have Ren and a bunch of dreadnoughts and star destroyers that, it is part of the first first order um and you know just like just like last like just like return of the jedi even though that last death star was destroyed clearly the empire uh remained in some form because it was able to you know reform constitute itself as the first order so yeah i think i think it's a misnomer to think or or not misnomer, but I think it's, you know, I think it's incorrect to think that just because the resistance may win, just like the rebellion won the Battle of Endor and destroyed the second Death Star, I think it's, you know, you can still have the ultimate showdown between Rey and, and, and Kylo, but yet the First Order will, you know, somehow remain intact to, you know, be the antagonist in the, in the next trilogy. Right. There's going to be a, a variation or I don't know if it's going to be the first order or something else, but there's always going to be the the bad and the good and yeah. all of that intertwined. But I don't know. I'm I'm excited for episode nine. Yep. I'm curious about it. More excited now than I was um, before watching The Last Jedi. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Very curious about Rain Johnson's trilogy. Very looking forward to that. I'm pretty sure that the boy with the broom at the end of the movie has seen the Han Solo footage. <laughs> yes, he has. And I'm sure. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Refusing to release it until he becomes a Jedi. Yeah. So. We the jerk. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, it'll be after. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This the uh, the Han Solo footage. Let's talk about that for a moment. I, I there's nothing to talk about. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. End the show. <laughs> no. So I guess the question. So the theory. When will I guess? Here's where we can pick up on this. When will it drop? Will it drop? Well, it'll drop on the Super Bowl unless you were right, and it'll drop this weekend because apparently there's another big football game happening. Okay. Here's the thing. So I'm trying to remember if if the college football championship is on ESPN or you know, if it's on a Disney Network or if it's on <laughs> on on another network because I think that'll that'll you know because remember the first Last Jedi uh, trailer was dropped on Monday Night Football game which is a Disney property ESPN. I old it. Yeah. I I mean the the, the biggest thing that is is reminding us about it is that is that um we we went through December with a lot of blockbusters including a Star Wars movie and yet none of those previews contained a single scene from the solo movie which is set to drop May 28th 2018 right I am all you know, you would think I would be happy about this because I always tell you, Will, they don't need to bombard me with trailers. 
Good night, geek out. You're welcome.